Hello. Welcome to Hacks. It's a tech podcast. A slightly late tech podcast. But, you know, it's free content. You don't get to complain. Uh, my name is Simon. I'm joined uh, in very close proximity, as it turns out, uh, in the Toronto Reference Library by Rosemary. We're in an actual pod here in the library doing our pod. Hell yeah. And uh, not so close to us right now, we're joined by Rob. Hello, listeners. I'm looking at Simon and Rosemary, and they're actually sharing headphones, like two so ideological cute. lovebirds. And uh, finally rejoining us, Morale. Hello. Yay, Morale. Yay. I was let back in by someone. I'm not <laughs> On a sure provisional who. basis. Yeah. It, it took a couple weeks for someone to acknowledge my presence and say, hey, this is what time you're recording. And... Um, so I'm happy to be back. And I do have to say that, yeah, I think it's wonderful that you're sharing your headphones. It feels very like mm, 1999, you know, like. <laughs> like Garden State style. Yeah. It's cool. We should be sharing headphones too. We're in the no. same room. Yeah, no. So um, it's great that we're all back and there's this you know, spirit of, uh, of, of uh, convivality, et cetera. However, the topic this week is a little bit dark. So uh, you should be ready for that. I hope we'll still have some, we'll find some laughs somewhere. Is it robots? But, uh... It's the news. <laughs> <laughs> there was a reading list. Uh, the topic this week was suggested by a piece in BuzzFeed by Ryan Broderick. And um, the piece is called How We Radicalize the World, uh, which is a very sort of haughty title for what it's uh, describing, I think. And um, it was itself triggered by the... Uh, election of Bolsonaro in Brazil, who is, you know, an open-faced fascist in all sorts of ways. Is that like an open-faced sandwich? But Yes, and tasty. just as ill-advised. <laughs> He's spoken openly about how he thinks uh, gay people don't deserve to live, yes. and yeah. that the, the left is, should be killed or expelled. I mean, it's really, it doesn't get a whole lot more textbook. Yeah, I was trying Bolsonaro. to start with, like, fascism light. <laughs> yeah, but, no, yeah. He's, he's going straight for the goods. Yeah, it, um, it's quite horrific. But... I think, yeah, it's something that anyone who's been paying attention to uh, Bolsonaro for a while now can probably anticipated it. So the, the Ryan Broderick piece basically takes Bolsonaro as the culmination of what he calls uh, a wave of reaction. Or rather, that's the term I'm, I'm going to use. I'm not sure if that's the one he uses. And of course, he connects in uh, Trump and, and a, million other, um, a million other events across Europe, Latin America, etc., um, and what he does is he he talks about his adventures in place to you know from place to place, and he says, well, you know, in in each of these areas, there's these recognizable patterns of you know right wing botnets and um, you know growing distrust in local media and it's or establishment media, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, his piece ends by saying, you know, and now we have to see how we respond from here. Like now that now that it seems like this this global movement has, you know, this wave has completed, or like this particular stage has completed, like, how do we, is this combated? Or is this something that, um, that just keeps happening again and again? And he, and he specifically lays the blame um, at the at the feet of WhatsApp and Facebook and other sort of major multinational uh, social media corporations who have, um, to his mind, mismanaged this, uh, this crisis. Um, so as I said, the, the piece was called How We Radicalize the World. But I think the piece that's missing is why. Mm -hmm. um, he does a, you know, Broderick does a very good job of explaining, uh, you know, showcasing this pattern. But I think what the, the, the what's missing from the analysis is like, why did why did Facebook not consider it in their interests to curb these like algorithmic inclinations towards fascism, or alternately, why did they consider it in their interest to do so? Um, these are, these are the considerations that are not sort of answered by this piece and that's what I sort of want to throw out here is the you know is is the, is it a is it a is it a matter of mismanagement or is it a matter of design can i just add that uh, from facebook I have this posting that uh, the, just to add this detail that more than 20 brazilian universities were invaded by military police and they confiscated material on the history of fascism uh, interrupted classes due to ideological content removed anti-fascist banners posters and uh by claiming that it was electoral propaganda now wait a second so they're removing stuff about the history of fascism so yeah. that's good they're saying that fascism isn't important it's a win <laughs> <laughs> I, 
it's pretty pathetic if you're taking away like if someone calls you a fascist and you're like mm, i'm not a fascist and then you go and in bunch of schools and take away anything with the word or like content related to fascism then i mean if it looks like so, a duck it quacks like a duck it's probably a witch right but we're in that double bind because uh yeah as i mentioned i got that info from facebook actually it's from a twitter post that was posted on facebook <laughs> right you're proving the point right 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 yeah so uh does anyone want to field this question of like not just the how but the why I want to say right off the top that um, I believe that, um, you know, we should do everything that we can to keep blatant hate speech off of social media platforms, right? You know, we're going to talk about a little bit later how, you know, these platforms are infested with um, users who are uh, using hate speech and trying to spread hateful ideas. But, you know, if I'm zooming out and thinking more broadly, like, is it Facebook's or Twitter's responsibility to curb um, social movements. Like, I think we can say at this point that um, societies across the world are sort of turning toward fascistic ideas or finding comfort in them, comfort, comfort in them um, because of what other, whatever other social um, patterns are sort of swirling around. Um, and, you know, if we put all this focus on, you know, banning Nazis from Twitter, like, is that really the right place to focus those resources yeah i I don't know if this is the right question i know what you're getting at but um hmm i think in a sense the why is a big question but just to attend to kind of what rob is saying i i really don't think that uh i i do think that they have a responsibility to to limit hate speech um and then there there are limits to, to free speech that you know become really problematic and oppressive but I, I get I guess part of your point is that maybe you're just kind of dealing with the symptom and not mm-hmm. the problem yeah um, and so you know in kind of getting Twitter to to stop Nazis from being Nazis online doesn't stop those Nazis from being Nazis in person so I think it's it's this kind of a bigger problematic and tech is just one kind of vector of uh, that kind of facilitates and accelerates um kind of the deployment and i think uptake of fascistic ideas yeah um well bolsonaro he he's he got elected in a way that's equivalent to having a bunch of hackers uh vote some kind of wacky song to number one for christmas or doing some other kind of uh, vote uh, rigging of a of, of a vote for some some trivial thing through through WhatsApp because he didn't really have campaign finances. So what he did is he created um, private groups in WhatsApp and then they have the ability to forward, I think it's 260 to 260 yeah. people. So working within that network and, and they were just spreading misinformation about his opponents. So he's a completely fringe candidate who now is the president of the country which is like valid let's not make it sound like um you know he was hacking the system i think that's a bit of a misnomer you know if you are um exploiting uh well if you're exploiting um new ways of communicating with people i i wasn't even aware that you could use whatsapp to spread like mass information until i read about this right um you don't know that whatsapp exists (laughs) i'm very old listeners um (laughs) But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, it's not necessarily connected to the fact that he's a fascist, right? Sure. But I think, um, I mean, there's an interesting kind of piece to, to what Rosemary is saying is that after he got elected, didn't he say that he would limit the amount of users in WhatsApp? Threads? No, I thought he was going to extend, extend oh, the amount extend of users. He's going to extend it? Yeah. Like, or some, yeah. You know, he's, he's getting shit done. Increase the power. Yeah. But, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like, he doesn't, I like that he yeah. just controls WhatsApp and Facebook. That's that's not scary. He's making WhatsApp run on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, I mean, I guess I take exception to your comments, Rob, because I personally think that um, states are stupid and, and, I mean, sure, they exist, and we continue to operate within them, and we can be contradictions. That's fine. But um, I guess I think all campaigning is ridiculous. And so (laughs) you shouldn't really exploit anything. Like, maybe he's hacking the system, or maybe he's not. But it's still, I don't know, I still think it's deplorable to be using any platform to 
try to get elected to campaign at all yeah Hmm. okay well there's not much we can do about your hatred of campaigning what would an election look like in morale's world there wouldn't be elections Hmm. yeah there would just we would live in like cooperative communities like intentional communities (laughs) that you know are predicated on mutual aid and collaboration and like love and yeah would it be more or less susceptible to fascistic sweeps i don't know of the electorate i I mean i'm I'm not gonna play that game because no yeah yeah, it's kind of a slippery slope to have like like um what's it called like have discussions based on conjecture essentially (laughs) but i I think to the point of um you know like the whole oh he's whatsapp thing i don't know it's kind of gross that he just like why don't you just use regular methods i think it's because the campaign campaigns in brazil are financed according to the amount of people you already represent they have it's publicly financed much like in canada yeah yeah Yeah. so that's how we got around that I mean, um, yeah, just to, I mean, I get your point, though, like, you know, we have a similar, like, for instance, the mayor of Calgary, Nahid Nenshi used social media uh, whenever he first got elected many years ago. Um, and that was seen as kind of a big coup and a big win, like, oh, this is, you know, grassroots, the way that the left should be using it. Um, but when it's the right doing it, it becomes kind of problematic. Is that your point? Yeah, well, I mean, like, if you've listened to this show before, listeners you know that i'm no defender of like technology big t technology but i it does make me slightly uncomfortable that we place you know this right wing you know wave across the world hand in glove with um social media like they're the same thing Mm. right like social media these platforms are tools right like maybe sometimes they're being exploited or maybe sometimes um you know, the moderators of those tools are slower to respond to things that they should be responding to. Um, but it's, those two things are not equivalent, right? Like Twitter is not uh, an arm of uh, the Nazi party, right? And I think that's, we sort of run into that in these discussions sometimes. Morale is shrugging in a theatrical way. I fucking hate Twitter. I think like, that's the thing is like, I think Me too. Twitter is where all the Nazis are, isn't it? Like, that's Nazi. I mean, no more than any other platform, really. But Twitter's, like, really Nazi-friendly, isn't it? They're all I mean, Nazi-friendly. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, it's the thing. I mean, apparently Discord has a Nazi problem. Yeah. Which we're recording on. Exactly. I, I mean, I, I <laughs> think this notion Discord. of, like, which media platform is, like, particularly Nazi-friendly is sort of missing the point. What I'm more interested in is is something that you guys just touched on, which is um, how the left uses social media versus how the right yeah. uses social media. And I think that something that I find really interesting is that social media platforms create the illusion of a level playing field, which yeah. really, of course, doesn't exist. For instance, when you do have an insurgent left candidate, like let's say your Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah. types... Um, one of the major things that her campaign did, uh, besides just her having a really great Twitter presence, was um, there was this viral campaign video they made. The video was scripted, as I understand it, by Ocasio-Cortez herself and made with a small production team literally called The Means of Production. <laughs> and um, and everything was, uh, I, I assume, a, a lot of the funding came from DSA, which is all small donations and people paying dues. Um, now, there's quite a lot of money floating around there, but it's all coming from individuals. Uh, meanwhile, uh, on the right wing side of things, you've got groups like Turning Point, mm-hmm. who are you know basically funded by like the Koch brothers and dark money pools. Yeah. And it's like massive reams of capital floating around there. But because, you know, we're all looking at the same front end, it looks like a level playing field. So people think... Yeah that um that you know these things are being won or lost on the merits which is really not necessarily true in the case of bolsonaro but other people we can uh uh, think of um they were using these uh media to to spread lies i think that's the difference between the left and the right isn't it the left never lies (laughs) (laughs) well not necessarily (laughs) there's i i mean Uh, you know i don't really travel in leftist media social media circles but i i do get the impression that you know in that part of the internet there's more of an idealism toward like we want yes. to you know promote the the correct answers instead of you know whatever it will take to win right so there's mm-hmm. a sort of difference of goals there 
Um, and it, it leads into another difference that I perceive, which is that, um, you know, it's not just the money that's floating around. It's the use of, we've heard a lot over the past few years about like Russian botnets uh, or the ways that, um, mm -hmm. you know, computerized users are trying to drive conversations in, in certain ways, almost always, um, you know, toward a favorable outcome for the right wing. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it too. Like social media is about amplifying voices, but the more voices you have, the easier it is to amplify a message. Right. Um, and so, right. you know, using those tactics, um, automated tactics is really a key part of getting messages across and trying to change minds or at least like infect people with the kind of brain worms that you want. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that, yeah, I think the, the question of <clears throat> automated, you know, like the bot, the bots in particular kind of um, that question of the right being willing to break the rules, so to say to win, do, winning at all costs is really important to keep in mind because um, I think the other thing that's uh, important to remember is that even though we see, if you want to take a broad, look, look at Broderick's piece, for instance, there's this notion that uh, fascism is kind of erupting across the world in different ways, and that's true, um, but it's differentiated, right? It's not kind of a, like, I don't think we can look at it as one seamless phenomenon that's taking place um, across various, you know, communities that have different laws and different technologies that are being deployed, even different types of social media, right? So you look at, for instance, um, you know, the Iranian election a few years back, and the the wave of resistance that came up, uh, you know, relied specifically on particular types of social media, um, of, of platforms that were accessible to a particular population, right? That's going to be different, like WhatsApp, for instance, in Brazil versus, you know, uh, predominantly kind of Twitter, maybe in North America. Um, but I think what's important to keep in mind is the way that, you know, those bots get kind of deployed across different platforms. And every time you have an instance of, of um, social media being used as a tool for, you know, some kind of grassroots movement that's politicized um, explicitly, I think uh, the right is far more organized at colonizing that, taking that tool and like colonizing it or like deploying it again and like exploiting its capabilities to achieve their goals. The left, like for the reasons that Simon points out and many other, I think the other one is disorganization um, and yeah, maybe kind of uh, different ethics won't do that. And that's why I take issue with this idea of the rules or breaking the rules. It's like, you know, it's fine to be idealistic and have you know, better ideas or whatever, but you're never going to be able to fight back and win again, unless you use the same tactics, unfortunately. Like, you know, if you had botnets trying to spread left-wing messages, probably you'd see more left-wing candidates elected or people thinking that those um, sorts of ideas are more normalized and not necessarily on the fringe. Um, I've said before that, you know, in this sort of world where, you know, there are sort of um, people who are uh, more on a collectivist end of the scale and people who just want to see the entire thing burned down. Um, you know, one of those sides sees themselves as being in a war and the other one doesn't, right? And the the side that's just laying down and, and clinging to their ideals, they're going to get run over and they are getting run over now. Yeah, I, I, I wonder how, if this is slowly changing or not. Um, I mean, I personally, I understand these um, incipient fascist and neo-fascist and kind of almost fascist uh, governments. Um, like I, I, I understand, um, you know, as a socialist, I understand fascism as capitalist reaction. And I can't help but notice, um, you know, this new wave of fascist and authoritarian leaders being greeted with open arms by, you know, capitalist countries. Um, I mean, hell, we just had, um, was, it, was it John Bolton coming out and isolating, I think it was Mexico, uh, Cuba, and Nicaragua as the quote troika of terror. So good, um, just rolls off so, the tongue. So you know, so we can thank David Frum for that particular trope, ah, <laughs> Axis of Evil. Let's just uh, sh sh give him a shout out for that. Yeah, I hope he got royalties. You yeah, know, as as someone who represents one of those axes of evil, uh, thank you. You've made my life great. Recognition. You know what? Being identified as a member of the Axis of Evil has made my life so great um, for the past twenty years, or however long. It's, it's always been. nice to be to be appreciated. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just want to shout out David from for that <laughs> friend of the pod. But like you know, you my my point is you've got you know you have the John Boltons of the world coming out and 
pointing at the countries that aren't having these these uh, fascist takeovers uh, as as the ones you know to be uh, to be aligned with evil. Um, interestingly, AMLO of Mexico is listed in Ryan Broderick's piece, even though yes, arguably like, definitely has a populist streak, but he seems to be more of a centrist figure. Um, so he doesn't really neatly fall um, fall into the patterns of uh, of the other leaders in that piece. But but I think that's that's the point, right? It's like that it, that I was trying to make is that AMLO is a great example because um, I guess I don't see fascism as being or you know these types of leaders that you're talking about. I don't think they're clearly delineated as being one thing or another. I think it's a lot more uh, fluid, right? Because AMLO is a perfect example where you know big claims populist leader will anything really change i don't know (laughs) that remains to be seen right um and i think there's a lot to unpack there to rob's point about um you know the left should be using the same strategies but i think there's there are two things for me as someone who i don't know if i identify as i mean yeah i guess i'm very extremely left but um one has to do with this uh question of ethics and, you know, if we start just using the same tools that the right uses, which are often rooted in inaccuracy um, and an attempt to deceive, then we essentially become the same. And the second has to do with this question of enduring and fatigue um, when it comes to fighting, right? Like, I think uh, it becomes overwhelming that there's only so much that the body can actually take before you, like, crack, right? Um, and it's... I, for me, that's that's a big question. It's like, I don't want to fight. It goes against everything I, I, I believe in. I don't know. And it's also tiring. Right. It's just exhausting. But morale, like, the the thing is, like, Bolsonaro's taken over in Brazil, and the, he wants to bulldoze the fucking rainforest. Yeah, that's, but, like, but okay, Bolsonaro's a different, I'm, I'm speaking kind of in a, an, an abstract sense. Um, okay, but, like, this is the real world. Yes, it is. And I'm not saying that, the resistance doesn't have a place i'm just saying that one of i think those are two problems with the left not taking up these tactics that rob is suggesting i don't want to fight either like but i mean like we're in an age where very quickly we're gonna have to fight or die literally in some cases right like ipcc says that we have we're on a timer of like 15 years right like shit has to change quite quickly right otherwise we're going to be in big trouble but how do you that's that's i i totally understand that and i'm sympathetic to it but my my concern and questions have to do with the fact that like people don't want to do that there's mm-hmm. ipcc is a perfect example global climate change is occurring at an accelerated race right but when you you know and then there are many kind of there's scalar issues to that too mm-hmm. right there are things you can do as an individual things you can do as a community things you can do at the national level international cooperation etc but if you look across those kind of different scales in your own life how active are you in actually fighting that fight and, you know, that's not, like, you, the person. We're doing a but podcast like, right now. No, but, like, in a universal sense. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're making, we're being the change. I think it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you should fight back. But push come to shove, a lot of people don't. Yeah. That's no, all I'm I saying. agree with that. Well, I and definitely I, agree with that. I mean, I don't think that, um, I, I, I don't think that the solutions reside in everyone's comfort zone. Like, I don't think that's, that's possible. We don't all get to have our cake and eat it, too. I mean, um, how many times have I read, um you know, from canvassers in social, in like DSA and other places, um, that one of their major, major things is like, you are going to have to get comfortable with going door to door, talking to people, knowing your neighbors, doing actual real life things like, and, you know, and um, this is part of the, the beauty of, of capitalism is that it's done such a fantastic job atomizing everyone and alienating everyone that the stuff that we most need to do is the stuff that feels the wrongest. Some of it is basic stuff like like canvassing, and other stuff is you know the the notion that we can't use um, this notion that, for instance, to have um, to have like left wing botnets or for or to make a, to use a more concrete example. Um, this is not so much the left as liberals, but um, there was a piece I saw today about how um, you know these dark money packs in the states are like uniformly right-wing and they they help bring in money from god knows where to help get horrible things done and the basic premise of of this piece was um, well what if there was liberal dark money and and this is sort of starting to happen on a much smaller scale 
But it's like, you know, it's just a question of can we accept that there's money that we don't know where it's coming from helping to fund uh, our interests. And, you know, I don't necessarily have a straightforward answer to that, nor do I particularly care what happens to, you know, American liberals. But, um, you know, I think we're we're starting to understand that... Um, I th- I think once you understand just how unlevel the playing field is, once you sort of, once you understand that Twitter isn't Twitter for everyone, like it's, it's being used in these very, very divergent ways, uh, both on an individual level and on like an institutional level. Um, I mean, I think you kind of have to let go of some of your, some of your ideals about how you were (laughs) hoping to get through the rest of your life. Yeah. If I can just um, add that, uh, Another thing that uh, the the right's done that the left hasn't done online is is uh, use memes, but specifically, um, ironically, use uh, memes about Nazis, etc., in order to actually um, open up a, a conversation or, or, or widen the like realm of acceptable conversation about about these previously t- taboo ideas. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, I think I think what it is. is well, okay, for memery. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like what? What do you think is not, not true? Take the day off with like a fucking Ned Stark photo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the left. I, is. I'm actually quoting somebody who I listened to a podcast and they were talking about the left using kind of laughter and irony in in the in the circulation of. I mean, the right doing that in the circulation of memes to put Nazi, for instance, back on the table and also just racist speech because they're. Uh, ironically disrupting the taboo against political correctness, for instance, is a kind of a gateway to... Uh... I think I think the, the left-wing answer to that would be, um, and admittedly to see this, you need to be in the right places, like left Twitter, you know, left Facebook, etc. You know, I think the, the left-wing equivalent to that would be the proliferation of the guillotine as a meme. How many times have I... There's even a shorthand, like the slicey boy... It is it is a known quantity on the internet left, and like that's I think there's just generally there is a normalization of the language of uh, of outright left wing political violence. It clearly has not manifested in reality, like really at all. <laughs> but people are starting to have this discussion of well, why is all the political violence coming? Why is it all against us? Why do we never fight back? Um, so I think it is happening. It's just not. It doesn't have that backing. Uh, so two things. First, I've never seen a left-wing meme that has made me laugh. Simon, listeners, please <laughs> You're not write in the right <laughs> to admin at hacks.fm uh, if you think you have a counterexample. Um, the second, Rosemary, I think you're completely right that it is, I mean, it's evident now that, um, you know, two, three, four years into this severe rightward turn um, in the U.S., uh, the Overton window, which is the the level of acceptable discourse has shifted substantially, right? Like you, like we, we use the N word Nazi all the time, um, uh, in American discourse now and not always with a negative connotation. Right. And that's, I think that's a direct result of, you know, the, the right wing dark web or whatever you want to call it, um, meme generation engines and users. Um, just talking about it over and over and over again and going way too far and then pulling back a little bit. Um, that that sort of tactic has worked, and we know it works. So maybe we all need a little bit more slicey boy in our life. You all need to follow way more socialists on Twitter. That's all I have to say. I disagree. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> respectfully, um, I think part of it, though, has like, yeah, you're right, Rob. There has been kind of this overt kind of turn, and, and that's kind of what Rosemary's pointing to as well. Um, but part of that also has to do with the fact of, that a Nazi sympathizer... Well, look who's in the White House. Yeah, well, how I mean, did he get there, though? Yeah, sure. He, how did he get there? But I, I don't think those are... I think they're very interwoven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're, they're, all of this stuff is kind of operating in a, like, in a relational way. Um, you know, you look at the platforms themselves. Okay, it's like, is it design? Is it why? Um, memes are an excellent example. I think, Rosemary, you're totally right on. Uh, the left is, I don't even know what Slicey Boy is, frankly. Like, And if I saw it, I'd probably just groan, to be honest with you. It's it's not impactful to, it doesn't resonate with most, like the wide left, if you want to put it that way. Whereas the thing about the right is that they, they might have disagreements, and I'm sure they're as variegated a group, if you want to kind of amalgamate them as the right versus the left, as, as the left is. Um, but... 
whatever whoever's designing those means whoever's disseminating them the way that they're doing it is a lot more impactful with that population than whatever is being done on the left because honestly i i've i'm generally disappointed by most of the content that i read um that you know is stemming from the left uh what is the wide left well everyone that is not a nazi i guess <laughs> like that's a good yeah, question but that's, such a, that's such a disparate set of groups yeah, but you're, whereas you're talking, like okay specifically socialists but like socialists hate everybody who's not a socialist <laughs> so, like, answer to that simon <laughs> the common phrase um uh th- there's there's a few different formulations of the phrase uh uh liberals hate socialists more than fascists um, but it's, I mean, the reverse is also true, like practically, arguably socialists hate liberals and fascists roughly equivalently, but I, in, in, if I think they actually resent the liberals a little bit more. Yeah. Socialists are probably yes. part of the problem. Oh shit. Sorry. There I said it as an anarchist. Okay. <laughs> um, Do kidding. anarchists have good means? Okay. I'm sorry. If you think, if you think the socialist internet is lame, you you should really take more looks at the anarchist internet. <laughs> okay, but easy. I think you're you're proving my point. Is that this is it becomes tit for tat? I'm, I was joking, by the way. I don't hate socialists, and I don't think you're part of the problem. Um, but um, but I think it's it's kind of a to be effective. You essentially kind of slip back into these capitalist most ways of being, right? That the right is happy to do, um, but they're a lot more effective at it. Um, one thing I want to kind of just circle back to really quickly and then we can move on and I don't want to colonize this conversation, but, um, you know, when you're talking about recognizing that you have to get out of your comfort zone and that things might be a little bit harder than you thought for your life to be like what you want it to be. I think you're missing a key part, um, which is that, yeah, that experience is going to be very different for every different, for people on the internet, um, and it's going to be a lot harder. One of the problems with the left, I think, and I'm speaking for myself here, and I'm not going to generalize it, but um, as someone who is often uh, that passes, but is but is other in some ways, um, I, I I'm sick and tired of being the you know the one that's being forced to speak on uh, these topics. You're often putting people who are already marginalized, um, you know and putting the burden of action on them when, sorry, but maybe cis straight white people should be doing it. <laughs> right. And as someone who's, who's straight and cis, but I'm, I'm technically, I don't know if I'm white, but um, I'm definitely other. That's something that I'm really. Moral, this is about. why I edit half of what you say out of the podcast so that you don't feel burdened. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I think that's that's part of the problem, right? Is that the oh, you know, you should just get out of your comfort zone. But who is probably going to get out of their comfort zone first? People who are already uncomfortable because they're the ones have who've been fighting this for a long longer than, you know, some like fucking hipster kid who's probably from like an upper middle class background and finally read some books. Whoa! <laughs> Looks wow! You should have. Everyone should have seen the way she just looked at Rob when she said that. <laughs> So imagine what breakfast is like in our household. Um, I do just want to quickly note that, um, Simon, all of the um, things that people have to get out of their comfort zone about when they go in Canvas, talk to your neighbors, leave your basement, are very like stand up straight, <laughs> clean your room, Pull wash your up. penis. No, they're not. <laughs> they're absolutely not the same. Okay. There's, they're both prescriptive, sure, but one of them involves, you know, engaging with a community and the other one involves, like, self-help. Those are very different things. Fair. Very fair. I think maybe we all just need to become more human. Ugh. What? Ugh. Shut up, Rob. <laughs> the perfect capper to this discussion. The listeners um, will agree with me. But... Yeah, no, this question of why, though, I think is, is something that troubles all of us, right? I mean, I think it's one of the reasons we started this podcast. Um, but yeah, I don't know if any, does anyone have an answer? Because I sure, I, I think it's just so complicated. There's so much going on that overlaps. Well, I mean, I think that, I mean, f- fascism, it seems like tends to, um, you know, it, it's it's a reactionary movement. It's It's a natural sort of result of, of you know, wealth discrepancies and disparities and resource discrepancies and disparities. And, you know, it is, uh, again, I understand it as capitalist reaction. I understand, um, I understand why, for instance, um, after both like hours after Bolsonaro's election, 
that CBC tweet that everyone got mad about. Did we all see this? Where uh, they were instantly speculating about uh, the prospect of new Canadian investment in the region. Yeah, that's that I should should add because um, Toronto, um, especially Toronto, is not a, a global center for anything but mining. So that was meant for a very specific audience of the of the uh, people who invest in mining stocks and and run mining companies based in Toronto and elsewhere in Canada. Yeah. So when I think of why. I think primarily of economics and I think of, you know, things that are happening outside the internet, basically like, the, you know, what I consider, the, I realize the internet is also real, but it's a physical <laughs> world. Um, I don't know. I think that there's also something in like when, when, when we talk about how the left uses, um, uses the, the internet and social media, so much of the left. And again, this is sort of starting to change, but um, so much of, uh, of of left humor is rooted in irony, which is, of course, rooted in hopelessness. It's, ro- it's rooted in this notion that things, um, the superstructure can't really be changed or whatever, so let's all have a good laugh, which is, to me, totally defensible as a, as a defense mechanism. You mean this, the base can't be changed? The superstructure? Whichever. I'm getting okay. my turns yeah, mixed up. I'm, it's ti- I'm, I'm, I'm tired and I'm being looked at by this entire library, okay? Um, no, you're just being looked at by us. So, for, for instance, that uh, that infamous Twitter prank from during the 2016 elections when uh, Twitter user Randy um, pretended that er, announced that he was working in a in a post office in, in the U.S. I think I forget which state he said he was in. And he said he was um, he was taking all of the absentee ballots that had voted for Trump and ripping them up and that he loved to do it. <laughs> and um it went viral very, very quickly. Um, it went. It ended up on Fox News. It um, the post office, the U.S. Postal Service, had to issue a den- an official denial that this guy worked for them. Um, and it was all egged on by people in the replies saying, "Yes, he's my coworker at the post office." <laughs> and <laughs> you know, um, and people would ask him, "Oh, which which Tennessee post office do you work in, or whatever?" Oh, the the one that I work in. Just whatever. <laughs> It was a whole network of people getting in on it. It was very, very funny, uh, and it was you know had absolutely no political utility at all. Uh, we all get to still have a laugh about it today, which is I suppose giving us endorphins or whatever. So that's nice. Um, but you know, this is where a lot of the energy on the left ends up going to just like you know stuff like this that is fun and funny, and I suppose like helps morale or whatever. Um, but you know, helps morale. Morale. I not, need a lot of help. <laughs> Listeners, please help me. <laughs> She's anyway, tough. when I think about memes, um, like left memes and left humor, that's generally what I think of. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's another question that I've been kind of um, thinking about, which has to do with kind of the, the platforms themselves, right? So we started out this discussion about like alt tech, right? That was kind of one of in our, our personal kind of, or I guess our four-person thread on Facebook of all places. Um, uh, we were talking about kind of alt tech and, you know, how these have been essentially failures, right? Um, can, what do you mean by alt tech? Just so everyone knows. Oh, alt tech, sorry. So like, I guess these are specific social media platforms that have been designed to, yeah, um, allow for people to not well enable the right free speech free speech you don't have to be politically correct you don't have to worry yeah free speech and and kind of ghost quotation marks three parentheses Um, and so these are like uh targeted platforms to like essentially allow for uh people who might be right of center um and very far right to get together and have the conversations that really matter um without having to be kind of nagged on by the nagged at by the left um so things like I think Infogalactic is one of them, right? Um, Gab obviously was another. That's my one. favorite Beastie Boys song. <laughs> um, there are a bunch of them. So yeah, like um, an alternate Wikipedia, for instance. Um, and it was funny because I was reading an article, and um, it, there was this person who's going on about how the uh, alt text, so the alt right version of Wikipedia, which I think is Infogalactic, yeah. um, is a lot better because it's a lot more accurate. And this is, but this is interesting because it has, I think, part of the reason why technology is being um, easily deployed by the right um, in relation to the way that we use it on the left um, has to do with the kind of way that knowledge is produced and then altered and distorted. Um, The internet makes it extremely easy to access information. This is like the thing that you would tell an alien from like that, I don't know, doesn't have the internet, I guess, or someone from 19... 
50. Um, but it also, as a result of making it so accessible, like it's really difficult to trace the genealogy of a thing um, or an idea or, you know, a literature. And unless if you have the skills for it and if you have some form of kind of training whether that's formal or informal doesn't matter but it's I think you know if you have an idea and you want to go validate it on the internet you can extremely easily yeah it, it allows us to create our own realities or at least curate them right and this is an idea that has existed for I guess as long as the internet has but I think in the last few years it's really taken off with the the rise of alt tech um the idea that like there is um, there is a market for, you know, people who just want to be around other, you know, racists or Nazis or whatever. Um, so actually, Morel, it's interesting that you mentioned um, Infogalactic because I did a bit of a survey about um, uh, major websites in the alt tech sphere. Um, and every one of them uh, has sort of a mainstream internet counterpart. So we talked about how Infogalactic is the, the alt-right Wikipedia. And just to give you... Um, I don't have uh, a lot to read for all of them, but uh, what I found at Infogalactic is a perfect illustration of sort of the viewpoint of this website. So if you've been to Wikipedia, um, few of our listeners probably have, but let me tell you that on its um, uh, front page, there's like a little did you know sidebar. It's just a random smattering of articles, right? So um, Infogalactic has the exact same design as Wikipedia, and these were the, the four did you know articles at the time that I visited it. So the first one said, did you know? that 72 terrorists came from countries that President Trump recently banned in Executive Order 13769. That's the travel ban. Like, what the fuck? Did you know that Ida Silverman logged over 600,000 air miles traveling the world, speaking and fundraising for the creation of a Jewish state? Did you know that some people believe that the moon landings were fake? Did you know that some people think approximately 300 years of phantom time were added to the Western calendar in the early Middle Ages. Can we have a Wait, can we right? have an episode on phantom time? Yeah. That sounds awesome. Which is a real conspiracy theory, which kills me. But yeah, so you sort of have the range of the alt-right information sphere there. You have like the pro-Trump, you have the anti-Jewish, you have the the half of it is just conspiracy theories, either like ones that everyone in this chat knows about and uh, other wacky ones like the the phantom time infogalactic is not even the most famous of the alt tech sites right like we heard a lot about gab over the last week um you know the the two domestic terrorists in the u.s the people have been talking about were both i think both uh active gab users could you explain <clears throat> gab oh with pleasure simon so gab is like the if you get banned from twitter for being too much of a nazi and you have to be like a lot of a nazi to get banned from twitter then what you do is you throw up your hands and say i'm gonna go join gab and gab is the alt-right twitter right same which is terrifying to think of because if you've spent any time on twitter <laughs> mm -hmm. so um it has very few users um just over half a million accounts um around 40 percent of those accounts don't follow anyone else and the top 10 accounts uh, by number of followers haven't posted anything in the last month. So it's, in a way, it's sort of a, a figurehead of this alt tech movement. Um, you know, people talk about Gab, people, you know, in the mainstream media talk about, you know, what a breeding ground it is for right wing ideas, but no one really uses it or any of these websites that we're talking about. Um, so there's, there's kind of a pattern where um, the, the right is very bad at building their own solutions and like building their own systems and networks, but they're very, very good at um, sort of succubusing on mainstream ones and using them to their ends. Yeah, exactly. And like, you'll find with alt tech websites that like, they look very bad. They're quite broken, like links don't go anywhere. Funny. And yeah. Um, and there was actually a New York Times profile from 2017 um, with some of the founders of these sites um, where they talked about how it's actually so hard to attract top talent. Um, to a, basically a Nazi-based social network, right? Because um, the the really good computer engineer, yeah, exactly. They don't want to work for these sites, right? They'd rather just go work for Google or Facebook or something. Um, so a lot of these sites are actually built and maintained by volunteers, which, you know, you get what you pay for in terms of work. Um, so there's Gab. Everyone knows about Gab uh, now, unfortunately. Um, I also um, tried to check out a number of other sites Um such as Wrong Think, which is the alt-right Facebook currently offline. 
uh, PewTube, which is the alt-right YouTube currently offline. Uh, Hatreon. Is that named for PewDiePie? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well-known um, alt-right YouTube uh, gaming personality. Uh, also, you may have heard of Hatreon, which is the alt-right Patreon currently offline. Uh, wow, they're like they're leaning in on how people think of them, which I almost admire. <laughs> oh, listen to this, Simon. This is actually my favorite name. Yeah, Goy Fund Me, which is the alt right Kickstarter, also currently offline. Um, we Searcher, which is the alt ring, alt right um, ProPublica, which sounds like a good idea, also currently offline. But their last, their final post was actually starting a legal defense fund for based stickman. Do you guys remember this guy? Oh, really? No, you're going to need to explain to me who Big okay, Stick Man is. Maybe, Simon, you can help me out. I'm sure you're just feigning uh, ignorance about this dude, but he was a, a personality in alt-right circles around, like, 2016. He would go to alt-right rallies dressed in, like, this ridiculous, like, armored getup with, like, a Captain America shield yes, yeah, and a baseball bat, and he would, now. like, beat up um, Antifa protesters or whatever. Cool. Not to be confused with the armored skeptic. <laughs> There's a whole like Avengers team of these guys. Um, but um, perhaps unsurprisingly, based stick man uh, is like, you know, whatever, like a wife beater, alcoholic, um, small time larcenist. You know, he's been in trouble with the law. Um, and so uh, the all right people now want to pay his legal fees because he's out there fighting the good fight. Um, Which is what exactly? Uh <laughs> You got me, but... Um, Family court, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so there's a whole smattering of all these different um, alt-tech websites. Um, the last one is wasp.love, which is a dating site. I can't believe we didn't come across this in our dating uh, uh, well, episode. Well, I wouldn't have been able to. True. Oh, because you're not a wasp. Not a wasp. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that, by the way, our race science episode is still coming. Yes. Don't worry. Not yet a wasp. <laughs> dot love um yeah so wasp dot love is still up which is encouraging for people looking for love um but unfortunately well, only some of the people the first blog post that they have on their blog roll just says the headline is love your race procreate that's well, there's a whole that's a whole other topic it's, it's right? a whole thing right yeah. um yeah so i mean like I, I i feel like you know these these creators of alt tech websites have tried to pick off the big fish in the internet ecosystem, right? So there's like the the all right version of X, Y, and Z, the top ten um, websites out there to try to capture this market, um, but none of them have really broken through yet, and they're constantly turning over, right? Like the the alt right YouTube has been shut down, but now there there are um, replacements, BitTube, BitShoot. Um, I spent some time on BitShoot. Um, which is a, a YouTube competitor, so it has all the range of things you would normally expect. There's gaming streams. I saw a lot of re uh, videos that are reviews of different knives. Um, <laughs> I, saw, I saw one that was uh, titled A Mathematical and Historical Analysis of Pocahontas Genetics, oh my which I did not cl uh, click on. Um, but I did see uh, a really good Dungeons & Dragons lore video, which I did click on. And I have to tell you that, like... Yeah, if you want, like, D&D &D lore or, like, gaming streams, I feel like the Nazis really have you taken care of. Like, these are the people who do it quite well. You, you know, I have a theory that is totally half-baked, and I'm going to end my contribution to the episode with this, that there's a corollary between, like, how the capitalist state is perfectly happy to aid and abet, like, like foreign fascists, like Latin America or wherever else, um, but they find fascism at home a little garish and, and hope to avoid it whenever possible we see this with the way that um these never trump conservatives who are perfectly fine with a set of policies but find his uh, mode of expression a little bit garish and a little bit too much um and i kind of see a parallel with the way um you know your facebook's and twitter's are perfectly happy to have um sort of a fascist ecosystem helping helping them thrum along but um when it comes to an in you know an investor base and like actual fascist um you know actual systems that are meant just for fascists or um you know or like reactionary elements they think ah oh, it's a little bit much for us yeah well i mean social networks rely on network effects it's self-evident right and so you know the the pool of nazis is you know thankfully pretty small right now um and if you have a social network just for them they don't have that many people to talk to and as a result they lose users and and they migrate back to 
the mainstream social networks, which, as we've seen, are all too happy to accommodate them. I think part of it, though, just to kind of bounce up on the uh, follow up on, on what uh, Simon was saying, too, is, uh, yeah, you're right, there's network effects. And then, you know, it's also a signaling thing, right? And I think part of the issue is that a lot of people have a lot of these ideas that are quite problematic um, deep down inside. And it takes some like a, a massive signal for them to be like, okay, that's fine. You can say what you want. Say what you want. Oh, wait a minute. Apparently you're a fascist. Oh, wait, no, that's not good. Mm-hmm. I guess you don't want to be a fascist, right? But it's because there's like so little self-reflection that's encouraged, I think, across life um, in general. And especially with, you know, um, in technology, there's this kind of assumption, like you have so much privilege on uh, right and wrong and binary ways of thinking that the gray area never, people don't spend time interrogating the gray areas. Um in any sense of the word. And so it's hard to diagnose a problem until everyone else tells you it is one, right? If you're like, and this is a very big generalization, but like, you know, oh, it's, I didn't realize that it was a problem, but we, you know, Facebook wasn't thinking about all the problems that they allowed for. Um, and you can see this with uh, Mark Zuckerberg's crappy ass contributions to that um, that hearing that he was in, right? Like, it was just like, oh, I don't know. Because no one's ever stopped and said, hey, maybe take a moment and think about what you're doing. <laughs> we should we should wrap this up and not only because the library is closing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we hope this episode has been somewhat fun and not totally dispiriting and depressing. Um, yeah, laughs. We're, yeah, we, I don't know if we've really provided laughs this, this episode. but Yeah, man, we'll do it again at some point. <laughs> Um, anyway, if you, if you do not totally hate Twitter, you can follow us there. <laughs> um, this is the most, uh, the, the, the most horribly ironic episode to do plugs on, but I'm in there. Uh, I'm at Hollow Minds. Rosemary is at Rose M. Heather. Morale is at Snootlet, although I, I'm guessing you just don't want people to interact with you. Um, they can. I just have to figure <laughs> out what my sign-in information is. and uh, rob is at rg scherf with a c and uh, if you do like the show please consider rating reviewing us on itunes all that good stuff that's all the plugs for today uh do check us out at hacks.fm and that's about it for this week we hope to uh keep things relatively regular in the future but you know stuff happens it's difficult it's tough anyway thanks for listening everyone thanks for joining me y'all and uh, visit your local library. <laughs> we were just too high to do Thanks an episode so. last week because okay. weed was legal. All right. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.